going on, everybody? This is T from the Philly Experience Podcast with a quick PSA. You're about to hear how myself and the rest of the crew feel about the current events that are going on in this country right now as we speak. We cannot continue to ignore the problems that we see on television and the social injustices that transpire on a daily basis within the less fortunate neighborhoods along with the African-American community. We stand in agreement with the players of the NBA, MLB, NHL, the WNBA, and other athletes in protest of the unnecessary and excessive, reprehensible treatment of our fellow American citizens. In order for us as a country to move forward, we need everyone from every race to listen to the pain and fear African Americans suffer on a daily basis. As a black man, I live in fear every day because at the end of the day, I cannot take my black skin off. I fear whenever I leave my house, I don't return through those doors the same or not at all. We cannot continue to ignore the screams of pain and loss families have to endure at the hands of some corrupted individuals. There is a way to contribute towards this change. You don't need a podcast, a microphone in your face, or a strong voice to make yourself heard. All you need to do is vote. That's the biggest way you, as an American citizen, can make sure your voice is heard and change happens. If you aren't registered to vote, go to vote.gov and follow the prompts to make sure your voice is heard on November the 3rd. For people watching this, the link is in the description. Let's continue our quest for change and equality in this country. And it all starts with making your voice heard. This isn't just America. This is the United States of America. Let's continue to push in order for this country to live up to its title and once and for all live up to the Constitution when it states that all men are created equal. He got a ass. In my opinion, that's. Oh, all right. What is up, everyone? I'm Tanner Gilmartin alongside Tyre Hood and Chris Thacker. Unfortunately, Max is unable to be here tonight, but Man. nonetheless, the show goes on. So gonna... here we are, and we have a lot to talk about tonight. You know what? I'm, I just got to take a second and just go on and on, Max. Dude, you had one job, bro. We, you had one job, literally. We do this every other week. Now, we're, we're going to go back to every week format in the football season, but seriously, dude, prepare yourself. This is ridiculous. This is completely unprofessional, all right? Bunch of low lives. Yeah, you're a low life. <laughs> well, <laughs> on that... On that note, you understand uh, what I'm saying to you? Let's get right into things. Our first topic of the night is the Philadelphia Phillies. Oh, Although geez. the game was postponed for the night against the Nationals, we'll get more into that later mm-hmm. as we delve into that. Uh, right now, the Phillies they're looking to uh, to attach to a, a hot streak going in. They're 12 and 14. They're third in the NL East right now, but it's very important to the Phillies. Uh, for the Phillies to find uh, a hot streak right now. What? The bats, uh, they're they're good. The bats have been decent. It's the only uh, thing that's been decent on this baseball team. Let's yeah, be honest here. This season, you have JT Ramuto, a great batter. Uh, Bryce Harper. You got Reese Hoskins is starting to find his way in the batter's box. Before we again. go any further, just let let me let me say this real quick. Play, pay the damn man. What are you doing? Please exactly. pay JT Real Muto. I'm sick of this. Seriously, I agree with you more. Ugh. Best catcher in the league. Uh, it's just ridiculous at this point that we have not paid him. Man. But as What's we've mentioned time and time again, T, you, I, and Chris, we're not, uh, we're not paid to do this. Uh, so, you know, there, there would be something we're missing. Mm-hmm. I guess that, it doesn't seem like there's something we're missing. but. Yeah. Anyway, we should be paid so to do this. in the beginning of the it's season, it's an outrage. In the beginning of the season, the um, there was the standings, the projected standings and records were released for the MLB, and this was a few days before uh, the the Phillies were um, were opening up. And I saw that the projected record for the, for uh, the Phillies were thirty two and twenty eight, which I thought was disrespectful at first with. How could you just go 32 and 28? Now this is a 60, 60 game season, but how could a team with DD Gregorius, JT Ramuto, Bryce Harper, Andrew McCutcheon, 
And I all want these winners. guys go 32 and 28 and fall below the Braves, Mets, Nationals, and and a little bit above the Marlins. <sighs> I, I thought that was absolutely disrespectful. But the the more the Phillies play and the more we the know it's hard moves on, I we might be lucky to win 32 <laughs> games <laughs> this season. Like you said, like you said before, the batting has um been alive as of lately even Reese Hoskins got a home run the other day so we're gonna we have yet to see if you know that's gonna spark maybe a little bit of a streak because he's come in to the season a little cold um looking like not exactly the Reese Hoskins that we're used to seeing so you know hopefully with like I said with the last home run that sparks a little bit of a run and it's like you said, we, we have the bats. We always have had the bats. We had the bats last year. The issue is, once again, is the damn pitching. And that's the part where I get frustrated because it's the same problem from last year. It's the reason why we're not going to be able to probably make the playoffs. I don't see this Phillies team making the playoffs so long as we have the current batting that we have. I'm sorry, you can't convince me as such. It's one thing to be able to create runs, which is beautiful. We can create runs with the best of them. However, we can't stop the other team from running up the score on us. That's the big issue. And until we figure that part out, I don't see this team going anywhere far. I'm sorry. Right. T, you say you don't see this team going any farther as of now, but the trade deadline is approaching on Monday, and maybe a few things the Phillies could make a few moves that could um, could prove you wrong in the future. Okay. Chris. Uh, yes, sir. As I mentioned, trade deadline is Monday. Uh, who are some guys you want to see the Phillies go out and get and really make Quit yucking my yum. Perform that the way they should. Well, uh, when you look at the Phillies and uh, how they have done so far this season, the clear problem is pitching. You know, uh, it doesn't take a scientist, let alone some idiot like me, to to figure that out. Yeah, give yourself and, more credit. Ah, da, 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 da. <laughs> um, so look, I mean the big the big name looks to be Trevor Bauer on the Cincinnati Reds. Uh Trevor Bauer's having a crazy good year after what? leaving the Cleveland Indians. Um you know, they're already struggling to pay, you know, JT Real Muto, let alone looking to get a guy like Trevor Bauer uh in this pitching rotation, but Man, that would be one heck of an arm to get into that five-man rotation, get just a little more solidarity behind, you know, Nola. Um, I, I I can't really picture in my mind what uh, the construction of a deal like that would be. Yeah, T, like you said, you mentioned T, you know, we do got quite a few bats uh, in this lineup. But as far as, like, you know, prospects, it's the pool is kind of – a little thin down there. So I don't know about a guy like Trevor Bauer. What do you guys think about him? Mm, Trevor listen. Bauer is a great arm. But honestly, that might be out of the realm of possibility. And yeah, it, it might not be as realistic. But right now we have guys like Spencer Howard, who's starting to bloom into a, a starting pitcher that we've wanted him to become. And I, I feel pretty confident that he still has some uh, some room to improve, obviously. But uh, sure. I felt I felt great the way he was out there on the mound, um, and he, you can see he's starting to get a, get a hang of it. Maybe he didn't have the best outing, in uh, in that double header. But if it's a nine inning game, he's pitching longer. Uh, people were saying how he was pulled out uh, within I, th- I believe it was like the fourth inning. But if that's a nine inning game, that's he has a he has a different outing. He he's in the game longer and. Who knows what what would we uh, what we would have saw from uh, from Spencer? Yeah, that is true. Uh, uh, another man who looks to be on the block, uh, starting pitcher wise, is uh, Mike Clevenger of the Cleveland Indians. Uh, you know, only four games this year with a three one eight ERA and a one one record, but I mean Mike Clevenger is a solid starting pitcher. Uh, definitely, I wouldn't say. In my opinion, not quite as good as Trevor Bauer, but he's still going to cost you something. Uh, like you said, Tanner, about Trevor Bauer, maybe not quite so realistic. But like I said, not as crazy as Trevor Bauer. Um, but uh, I, the bigger issue is obviously the bullpen. 
And um, maybe some bullpen options would be uh, uh, Will Smith from the San Francisco Giants. Not, not, the, not the yeah, not the not the catcher, the left-handed reliever. Not the actor um, either. I'll be honest, I haven't seen much of Will Smith uh, play, uh, but from the little bit that I've seen, he. He, he seems solid from the little bit I've seen from him. Uh, I don't know if you guys know much more about Will Smith. Uh, just, you know, obviously we're familiar uh, with Will Smith, the catcher, because we uh, we were victim to his walk-off home run uh, a few years ago. But Will Smith, the pitcher. What's he here for? Uh, honestly, I think this team is is most likely done with, uh, with uh, going ahead and adding more more um, popular pitching arms to this roster at this point. And we can't uh, forget to mention uh, the Phillies solidified their bullpen by adding Brandon Workman and uh, Heath Hembry. Now Workman, he's been, he's been putting work in on the mound. He was able to seal the win uh, last night. It was a little iffy at the end. It got too close for comfort. Maybe there was a runner on third base, but he was able to seal the win. Nonetheless, of course, there's always room for improvement in this awful, uh, the league worst bullpen. <sighs> but as far as we're going out and spending all this money now, look, we gave up Nick Pavetta for uh, for these guys, and I'm pretty sure we gave up. Um, it was Connor Siebold, I believe. We gave up two, so so not that bad. Nick Pavetta was uh, – we weren't quite sure about Nick yeah, Pavetta. Yeah, he was a mystery card. But what the Phillies did to in adding Workman and Hembry, is I'm pretty confident that we're moving up and this bullpen is moving in a positive direction. Woo! <laughs> now, this next guy, uh, I am 100% on board with getting here in Philadelphia. Look, yes. T, I know a guy you're not confident in is uh, one Mr. Uh, Hector Neris. Okay. What do you say okay. about bringing back former Phillies reliever Ken Giles? Anybody over Hector Neris at this point? I uh, I listen. I'll take Let's get Ten- Kenny Giles back here. Listen, I'll take Tanner Gill Martin over Hector <laughs> Neris. Okay, I'll Whoa. take Max Stinkin James. Oh, <laughs> I'll take Max Stinkin Gretzula over <laughs> Hector Neris. Anybody at this point is better than Hector. Do we Neres. know it's hard. Shut up, Max. We can't forget that Ken Giles. I do believe, um, and if anyone correct me if I'm wrong, but Ken Giles was a part of Cole Hamels' perfect game. Uh, when Cole Hamels was in his last year as a Philly, I believe. Um, Are you talking about that one against the Cubs? I think so. It was. It, it could have been. I think it was against the Cubs, or or one before Cole Hamels had had. Uh, I think he had two. But um, yeah, you, uh, Ken Giles. That's that's a name to talk about. I mean, just to run through a couple more quick ones: right. Kirby Yates on uh, the Padres. But I mean. The Padres are nipping at the heels of uh, the Dodgers, but, I mean, I don't know if you can beat the Dodgers, though. Jeez. Uh, Brad Hand, a lefty from Cleveland. Uh, and Blake t- uh, Training from uh, the Athletics. Hmm. So, uh, I, I don't like uh, uh, Trinan's, uh numbers uh, with a 4.91 ERA. Uh, he's a, I mean, it's not terrible, but... Eh. Still. Eh. Eh. I'm good. I'm good. L- listen. Uh, people. I'm good. <laughs> go I'm have good. a ham sandwich. <laughs> Let's right. go uh, have a ham sandwich. <sighs> I miss Andy Reid. <laughs> well, right. now that we're talking about Andy Reid, we can talk about a previous team that he has coached in the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, now we recently received some awful news uh we lost our left tackle in andre dillard he's out for the season pissed off he tore his bicep and now t what does this eagles team do moving forward they have no other choice now i was not confident in them bringing back jason peters especially them bringing him back to play right guard a position that he's never played before now after he's been training at right guard for all these months, now he's got to go back to his traditional position of left tackle, 
which now I have to deal with him false starting and things of that nature again for another year. And then I have to put in Matt Pryor at right guard. At least that's what it seems that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to do on paper. Now, I have no problem with Matt Pryor. I think, you know, he's an above average guard. I don't think he's going to be flashy. However, he's going to get the job done, which is exactly what I need you need him to do and and it's like I explained to you guys before when it comes to offensive linemen you know for the average person if you don't notice an offensive lineman that's a good thing that means they're doing their job that means they're creating holes they're blocking up the um they're blocking up for the quarterback so listen as I just need Matt Pryor to do his job but my god I need Jason Peters to just stay healthy because uh, after after Jason Peters, like uh, it's real fishy behind him. Go ahead, Chris. Now, T. Uh, now, do you think Doug Peterson and the coaching staff may look at this as an opportunity to get? I know you're not a big fan of Jordan Malata, but do you think this might just? It's it's an opportunity for him. Do you think that he might? Uh, Doug Peterson might stick to his guns with Jason Peters at right guard and just give Jordan Malata a shot. I would be shocked if he stuck to his gut and put Jordan Malata at left tackle because here, here it is. You're talking about, in my opinion, probably the second most important position on offense, and that is the left tackle, especially if you have a right-handed quarterback like we do in Carson Wentz. That's your blind side. So you need that left tackle to be a solid above average at, at the bare minimum pass blocker. Otherwise, yeah. Carson Wentz is going to get killed back there, and we already know his so-called injury history. So, right, look, T, T, I know, I know, I, I know you want a safe guy there, and Jason Peters is obviously a safe guy. Uh, but like you said, you're you. going to get sick of seeing him, you know, false start. Jason Peters is getting older and older, or, or why not give the young guy a shot? I hear you. I, I, I hear you giving a young guy a shot, and you know what? I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to say I'm against it. Let's put it like that. And I'm. I'm not going to say I'm not the biggest fan of Jordan Malata. The the thing is, Jordan Malata is an unknown. Remember, he's only been playing a game of football for as long as he's been drafted in the NFL. So that's only going on about three years. So I, I, yeah. Remember, he came from playing rugby. He's never played tackle before in his entire life. It's it's different than playing rugby. Sure, it's the same kind of intensity and same kind of contact, but you're talking about blocking up. You're talking about blocking for a franchise quarterback in which we need in order for us to to succeed. So, I listen, I need somebody that's good at that left tackle position and right now and somebody that's halfway reliable. And right now the only person is Jason Peters, unfortunately. And that's saying something. If you don't, if you don't mind me asking, sorry, Tanner, is there something you want to say? <laughs> no, I actually just wanted to entertain the thought of Jack Triscoll. He's drafted from Auburn uh, with our uh, fourth round pick. Um, at T, I don't know if you know much about him. I, I do. I, I, I remember seeing him in Auburn a little bit, um, solid tackle. But like I said, he's a young guy coming in. And without us – having a preseason and being able to see these guys on tape, you know, they're going up against the same guys every day. So that's one thing that, you know, that's one thing to go up against your own guys, but to go up against a different set of guys on plays, that's something entirely different. That's why I say against everybody, what everybody else is saying, the preseason is still important. But I, right now, because of the coronavirus and everything that's going on, you need somebody that's reliable to block up for your franchise quarterback. Of course. Now, what I was going to ask was, you know, coming from someone who's not very football smart in myself to UT who stays up all night watching film. That's uh, not true! <laughs> how much, like, look, I know Andre Dillard's good, but how much better is Andre Dillard compared to a guy like Jordan Mulata? So the thing of it is, okay. How do I put this? I, I know it's a very loaded question. It's very. A, it's not an easy question to answer. I, I understand that. I'm not going to say yet that um, Andre Dillard is better than Jordan Malata. But what I can say is that I drafted uh, Andre Dillard to be better than Jordan Malata. And yeah. that's the big thing. I didn't invest in a first-round draft pick 
for him to not eventually take over for Jason Pierce like he was supposed to. Thing of it is, Jordan Malata was a wild card being drafted in the seventh round. Nine times out of – I'm going to say nine. I'll say seven times out of ten, I don't necessarily expect a seventh-round draft pick to hit. However, Jordan Malata is does do some special things. Um, but as we've seen in the past, um, in the past preseason games, he does know how to hold his own, and he's a big dude at six foot eight, you know, three hundred and forty pounds, and he's very mobile for his size. So I think that lends an advantage to him. However, like I stated before, I drafted Andre Dillon in the first stinking round, and I'd be damned if I don't see some sort of uh, return on investment. That's all I'm saying. Trust me, trust me when I say, listen, listen, I. I'm for it. Listen, I'm not one of those people that get into, oh, this person was drafted here, so I expect him to perform this, that, the third. Okay, I do expect him to perform to a certain level, but I still believe that you can make an impact regardless of where you're drafted or if you're not even drafted. However, first round, I want you to start, and I need you to be solid. That's all I'm saying. And reliable, which now Andre Dillard has proved he's not. Oh, jeez. My quarterback's <laughs> going to get killed. Oh, jeez. <sighs> All right, great points there, T. And uh, Chris, I, I want to add on to backtrack our discussion about Cole Hamels' no hitter. It was oh, my it was apologies. a year it was be, it was a year before the Cubs. It was against the Braves, September first, twenty fourteen. Oh wow! Yep. So Tanner with the knowledge. Uh, we're we're still on the Eagles, and you mentioned Carson Wentz and the, the need of protecting franchise quarterback. I want to bring to attention, you know, I'm a stat guy, obviously. Right. Right, uh, that's, of course. That's known. Of course. But Carson Wentz got a huge problem with fumbles. He does. And I'm hoping that the beefing up that he's been obviously doing this offseason is beneficial to him in holding on to that ball. Because in the last four seasons, Carson Wentz mm. has fumbled. 48 times. Jeez. That's that's not a little bit of fumbles, ladies and gentlemen. That's a nice number of fumbles. 16 in the last season. Yeah. That's not giving the crowd what they want to see. No, that's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's that's giving the crowd what they don't want to see. All right. We don't want to see Carson Wentz fumble the ball as much as he has. I'm sorry. Look here. Giving people what they want to see. Shut up, Carson. I don't want to see that. I want to see you hold on to the damn ball and stay healthy for a damn season. That's what I want you to do. And how this line has uh, has fared through this offseason is just not helping his case. No, because uh, if, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to do it himself out there sometimes, and he's gonna need to hold on to that ball. And, and here lends another problem because I have been reading up on what um, some of the Eagles beat reporters have been saying in training camp, and before the Andre Dillon injury, they were saying that the offensive line wasn't really looking too hot this offseason. And um, look. We have a lot of speed now at the right receiver position, so it's pretty clear that we want to throw the football deep now. However, Carson Wentz isn't going to be able to throw it deep if he doesn't have the time to do it. So right. they got to show up that offensive line. They got to be able, they got to do something. Like I said, they got to put guys in who they know are going to do their job and do their job effectively. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be a long season and a long, long season for Carson Wentz as well. Yeah, that is if there's a season at all, T. Yeah. Because as of right now, I'm not too confident in uh, in the NFL as as far as they've handled things with the coronavirus. They do check. Understand. They do check them every day. They check them I, every I day. I understand that, but we've seen it happen. I know. It happened with baseball. It's still happening with baseball. Yes. I'm just not not too confident, and especially with. Winter approaching us soon. Yeah, uh, that's it's flu season. It's yeah. all these other things. It's going backwards. Damn it! Let's go. Gonna be a tough, tough, uh, tough fight for these rosters, including injuries. Now they have to deal with the coronavirus. But I do want to bring up how not a lot of people are talking about this, and mm-hmm. it's been known for for quite some time now. But the three other teams in the division all have new coaches. Yes, that's the one thing that lends um, an advantage to the Eagles. Yeah, that that is just the one thing so far that I can see because players are players are dropping out. Yeah, uh, we we recently lost our speedy receiver in Goodwin. Yep. Um, but right now it's it's all up in the air. Uh, it's all up in the air to see 
how things are going. They're training. They're putting in work right now. And mm-hmm. I hope uh, it's not all for nothing when and, this season comes up. And before now, we came on, they did make an announcement that the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania has announced that the Philadelphia Eagles and the Pittsburgh Steelers will not be allowed to have fans in the stands. So yeah. there goes home yeah. field advantage. It is it is a smart decision. And I've mentioned, I've mentioned our home field advantage a couple shows ago. Oh, with yeah. the, uh, Do we know it's the hard? Pre, the pre-snap penalties that the fans have have caused and, and stuff like that. So that's really going to go into this. And so we're going to transition on to the Sixers. And do we have a lot uh, to talk about? Do we have to talk about that loser of a team? Let's be honest here. Do we have to? We have Wait. to rip that Band-Aid open? <sighs> yeah. See, uh, you know what? So <sighs> the Sixers. Are you kidding me? We're finally officially eliminated from the playoffs. I say finally because I've been ready for this elimination since before the bubble started. All right, I, I'm, I was it's an outrage. T, you mentioned how they were eliminated before they were eliminated. It's But now the Sixers, they got swept by the Celtics. And as much as it sucked because it was the Celtics doing it to us again. Oh, uh, man, over. that's irritating. Uh, we will be able to watch some decent teams play. Basketball. <laughs> uh, phenomenal players. And uh, we'll be able to watch this playoff battle and really sit down and watch how players actually play basketball and what it looks like to have a coach really, really gelling with his team and being able to use all the weapons on that team. Before we get into um, the coaching decision, I got to say um, the overall um, series – Ben Simmons would not have made an impact just by the way they were playing. Really? You think so? I I don't think so. Because, look, there was only one player that I seen out there that was kicking all kinds of ass, and that was Joel Embiid. He was literally the only one. The man literally during during that four-game run, he literally only had one game where he scored under 30 points. Yeah, we we can talk about it right now. The stats right here: twenty six points, sixteen rebounds, thirty four points, mm-hmm. uh, ten rebounds, thirty points, thirteen rebounds, thirty points, ten. He's got forty four um, field goal percentage. It, it's just it, he had at most fifty three field goal percentage, and he was not the problem. No, he Sixers, wasn't for the Sixers. He's definitely not the problem. You can't blame. He's a he was a one man team. At one point, I don't know if you guys seen this meme, but there's a meme going out where on a fast break run, Joel Embiid was the only one up the court and there were four Celtics on a perimeter. That tells you everything that you need to know about this Sixers team. They came in. They they were not ready. They were ill coached. All right. Um, And I'm I'm so let's put it like this. I'm never happy when somebody loses their job. Let's get let's get that on record right now. I'm never going to, you know, go hip, hip, hooray for somebody losing their job unless you're Chip Kelly because I just think you're just a horrible human being. But you know. Was that like a wise-ass comment? Yes, it was, Chip. Shut the hell up. So, anyway. Well, you know what? It's, it's really comical at this point because we're tired of the Sixers and we're expecting change, but – the next season starts back up December 1st, yep. believe it or not. Yeah. And that'll be the latest the season has started since the 2011-2012 lockout. Uh, how how much can the Sixers get done in that little time? I understand everyone's dealing with it, but not everyone's dealing with the, the woes that the Sixers are dealing with with such a great-looking roster. It's just something's wrong T, what's the first thing that the Sixers need to do? Well, the first thing they need to do is they're going to need to find a head coach that can bring all the talent together because it was clearly obvious that Brett Brown didn't do it. Okay, so in my personal opinion, I think Brett Brown stayed two seasons too long. That's just my personal opinion. I felt like, you know, he never developed his players chemistry the way they were supposed to i think there is a way that you can get ben simmons and joel Embiid to play together it's just that they need the right coach they don't need a coach that's going to coddle them that's going to um you know just you know put their arms around them and tell them oh they're doing great when they're not no i want a coach who's going to be putting their foot in their behinds all the time i need somebody who is going to tell them when they're wrong period point blank don't care about they feel boots to asses yes thank you rock look 
I need that kind of a coach. I need a coach that's going to also develop them because Tanner, and I'm, I'm telling you this right now, I am sick and tired of us having this conversation week after week, time after time again, about the lack of a jump shot from Ben Simmons. I'm sick of it at this point. You need a coach that's going to tell him, hey, yo, listen, here's what I need you to do in the offseason. Every day, I need you in that gym. I want you shooting 3,000 jump shots. I kid you not. You better not leave that gym until you get every single damn jump shot up in there. I'm so serious because it is absolutely ridiculous that we still have, we're still having this conversation. And then to make matters worse, y'all know how I feel about Joel Embiid and his perimeter game. I don't want him shooting threes like that. That's not the type of player I want him to be. I need his big butt in the paint dominating, okay? Yes, it's fine that you have a jump shot and that you can utilize it from the outside. That's fine. But I primarily want you in the post because I envision this team being like the Orlando Magic when Dwight Howard was the center of the team. The way that team was built, he was the center focus and everybody else were perimeter players. So when they double teamed Dwight Howard, when he was dominating the game, all he had to do was just kick it out. They swing the ball around. Somebody was open on the perimeter. That's how this team should be operating. It should be centered around Joel Embiid, and you need perimeter players around him. However, and, and Ben Simmons can be the facilitator, and you know that both of them can work on ISO plays. However, Brett Brown didn't do that for some apparent reason, and you know, like I said, he's gone. So now you're going to have to find a coach that's going to coach these guys up and teach them how to play together. Yeah, Tia, I can't agree with you more, but. One thing I want to say is the, the thing that makes Joel Embiid a, a really good player, and it's a shame because he could be one of the best players yes. that we've seen. It's he's a big man that just dominates in the key. Uh, he he got that three. He's got the three shot. He needs does. some work, no but doubt. he's a big man with the three shot. Yes. and it's just a shame that he hasn't had the help really to just be in his role. It seems like he's trying to play so many different roles. Exactly. It's, it's too much for him. It's ridiculous. Now I want to touch on the coaching candidates and a coach that you probably won't agree with it because you mentioned you want a guy to be able to control his team. And I've seen this coach in Cleveland sit on the bench and watch LeBron really take, take, uh, take control of the team and tell him what to do. But I'll mention him, Ty Lue. What? I want him I, I think he'd be a good head coach for the Sixers. It would be ironic considering that um <laughs> he's he's just infamous in Sixers history. He's on posters on people's walls. He's the step over victim of AI. A moment <laughs> that'll be cemented in you. Sixers history forever. That that of course game one of the two thousand and one finals. Uh, it's just a, a brutal step over from AI. If the Sixers, back at him. if the Sixers hire Tyron Lue, I'm playing this every week during the show. What's he here for? Like straight up. Like I but, listen. I, I'm sorry, Tyron Lue has to be. <laughs> I'm not saying as a man that this is how he is, but yo man, LeBron James. That was LeBron James' team in Cleveland. We all know that. That man didn't do a doggone thing. He would write up a play on that little um, on that little clipboard that all coaches had. They would come out the hole, and LeBron would be like, no, nah, we ain't running that. LeBron would throw that clipboard away and Ex- tell the team what to do. Exactly. But this is a guy who is also a player, So, and he, he's been there. He, as I mentioned, he was in the finals against the Sixers. Um, he coached in the finals. He's won. He's successful. And that's what I'm looking for in the next head coach for the Sixers. I'm not looking for Jay Wright, a guy coming out of college basketball, although he has success. That's college yeah, basketball. I was about to say that. I was is about that, I was about to say go ahead. Is there anyone else that you, you think would be good to, so, to lead? So before we go on, let me talk about Jay Wright for a minute. Here's the reason why I think Jay Wright and any other um college coach coming out would be um, a good candidate is because when you're dealing with college players, they're coming in and out. Guys are getting drafted. Guys are transferring in all the time. So you're constantly having to change up your scheme according to the players that you have. So I, that's why I think a college coach I actually would be a very good option. 
However, I do not think Jay Wright is going to leave the kingdom of Villanova due to the fact that he's basically king over there and has all kinds of say and has been successful. So I don't think we're going to be able to get that option. However, this is my option, and this is just me personally how I feel. I want Jason Kidd as a coach, former player, former point guard, which can also help in Ben Simmons' development. Jason Kidd is not remembered for having a jump shot, but you have to respect the fact that he would shoot it every once in a while. And that's all I want from Ben Simmons. You don't have to have, you don't have to be this, this remarkable jump shooter. I don't need you to be Ray Allen. I don't need you to be a great shooter. I just need other defenders to respect the fact that you can shoot that rock. That's all I'm asking for. So I think, yeah, that, that would be my option. Honestly, I want Jason Kidd as a coach. Yeah, I, you know, there's also McMillan from the Pacers. I wouldn't now mind he, that option either. I believe he only has three playoff wins in around 14 or 13 yeah. uh, losses. But his, his regular season and four seasons is is impressive. Three or four seasons is impressive. And I think he would be a good coach for this Sixers team. It, it'll all be a change from Brett Brown because that is a coach who was there during the process. Yes, but it's it's a coach that we need a better coach. We need a coach to lead this team to victory. And I'm sick of this. What Brett Brown was short of. Now, all the blame, of course, doesn't go on Brett Brown. Elton no. Brand is there now. He made some questionable contract decisions. He did. And I believe it would just have been too early to fire Elton Brand, considering the time that you gave Brett Brown. It just wasn't, it wasn't right timing. It wasn't. It, it wasn't. And not to mention the fact that, you know, and maybe this is more on the coach, but you were never, Tobias Harris was never able to live up to his contract, play up to his contract. And, you know, the struggles that he had, you know, just looking awkward in the offense. And then you have to put some blame on this organization on the upper man. And this is not necessarily on Elton Brand, but the way that Jimmy Butler's situation went down, and some of the things that are coming out now, it does it's not a good look for the Sixers organization at this point. So look, they got a lot of making up to do. They have a lot of thinking to do around this roster. I do not agree with trading Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons. I think you need to put players around them, the right players around them. Now, in the offseason, I would find another backup center and I would look to move Al Horford. That's the that's the one piece I would work to move. I think you can work Tobias Harris within this offense. You need a couple of perimeter shooters, maybe a per, another perimeter shooter, and you need to revamp this bench. You need scores off the bench, that energy off the bench, um, a legit six-man. You had one in Trey Burke who is lighting it up for the Dallas Mavericks right now. But like I said, this 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 um, – this organization, the Philadelphia 76ers, has made a lot of mistakes, and they have a lot to make up for. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, of course. Definitely agree with you there, T. Uh, we're going to move over to Flyers because we have some things to talk about at the end of the show. We mm-hmm. mentioned we were just talking about the NBA, and games were canceled last night. Mm-hmm. Um, they were postponed. And we'll get to that reason after Chris dives in Flyers talk. Now the Flyers, the Flyers beat the Canadians in the last round 4-2, and they're looking to go into game three, which was also postponed today. Uh, it's it's tie at 1-1. Chris, what did you like seeing in game two, and what did they improve upon from game one? There was a lot of improvement from game one, so talk about game one first. All right, well, okay. Oh, my God, that atrocious game one okay so let me just i just want to backtrack real quick with some um you know the flyers going into this you know the bubble thing they look like the hottest team they literally beat the top three seeded teams above them very easily aside from tampa and prior to that during the season they had a nine game winning streak looking like the best team in the league and then suddenly they get to the games that matter and they completely changed their play style. I'm not even kidding. They, they went from being this offensive, aggressive team to a team that looks to score one goal and collapse into a 
Bowser-like turtle shell around Carter Hart. And uh, now they did that on purpose against the Canadians, which I understood because Montreal's goalie, Carey Price, is literally the best goalie in the league. Um, It's so difficult to get a puck by him, and that's kind of how they beat Montreal. And it's, you know, just get one by Carey Price and then – Montreal has Montreal is a faster team than the Flyers because the Flyers are not a fast team, if I'm being honest. So they they really in that whole Montreal series just looked to get at least that one goal, maybe a second goal, and then just holy crap, keep everything out and have Carter Hart make all these crazy saves. And then they did the same thing. They went into the same in game one against New York in the second round with the same game plan and. New York is one, a better team than Montreal, hundred percent and a much more offensively dangerous team than Montreal. And you saw what happened to the flyers. They, they got embarrassed. It was really hard to watch, but they finally kind of went back to the days of old when they were winning nine games in a row and they killed Boston and Washington and they, in the first period, Kevin Hayes, two goals, Bo- both goals, just absolutely beautiful. Sean Couturier with an amazing goal. Uh, but then uh, se- second, third period, they kind of go back to their bad defensive habits. And it, it was really frustrating to watch because that's how New York is going to kill you. The New York Islanders, they just feed off of that passive defensive collapsing play and they they clawed their way back to tie the game game goes to overtime um i'm so i'm so glad to see that they came out of the came out of the gates in overtime with fire the flyers did and uh just they that's a game that that you don't want to go uh very far in overtime because originally you thought you had this back-to-back game and we don't want to have carter hart play multiple periods of overtime hockey they wanted to try to get that done as soon as they possibly could and uh four minutes in phil myers puts it in i was really happy for phil myers personally because with like six minutes left in the third he had uh, he had a puck right off the post wide open net. Ooh, it's like yeah just a just a half inch to the left and it just it didn't the bounce didn't go his way so it was nice to see phil myers get that goal um for the most part, I'm pretty happy with the play of Carter Hart. Um, guy's been 100% the best player on the team, showing up pretty much every night ex- aside from the one 5 nothing loss against Montreal and then game one against New York. But other than that, Carter Hart has played solid. Um, another thing another thing I'd like to address is, uh, you know, the kind of the big thing with the Flyers – uh, in these playoffs is uh, every, everyone's worried about the big guns not showing up, guys like Giroux, uh, Couturier. Do we know it's hard? Game two, Kevin Hayes. Uh, Travis Konechny, oh my God. Travis Konechny is a guy who has hit more posts, had more scoring chances than anyone else on this team. Travis Konechny was the leading, I think he's, leading I think scorer he on the is. Flyers this yeah. past. Sorry? Yeah, he still is the leading scorer, yeah. Well, not right now, not oh, in the playoffs, yeah. right. but in the regular season he was. Travis Konechny was the best offensive player for the Flyers, and still in the second round with game three coming up, has still yet to record a goal. Um, that He is playing so frustrated. What's the you problem now? You can visibly now? see just how frustrated Travis Konechny is getting, and I think when he finally gets that first goal, the floodgates are going to open because the thing that made the Flyers so good – was the fact that they had two lines that you could rely on for a full 60 minutes that could that. get you a couple goals with that top line of uh, Couturier, Drew, Voracek, and then the second line with Hayes, Konechny, and whoever they decide to put on their left wing, whether it's Scott Lawton or Joel Farabee. But um, sorry, I'm doing that rambling thing. Uh, <laughs> that's that's fine, Chris. We, uh, T and I, you know, of T, not really uh, – not really for I want to see people rip their heart always, out of their f-ing chest. Always against the game of hockey. I, I'm trying to get into it. I hold up, hold up, hold up. That's not 100% true. I have been watching hockey. All okay? right, this guy, he he orders a uh, Flyers sweater. Now oh, all right. Oh, but all right. anyway, this team is, it, 
it, this team's electric. They they were playing electric in the first series. Let's hope they uh, they fix things in game two. Let's hope that carries on and they're able to get out of this series against the Islanders. Now, T, mm-hmm. we've got a few things to discuss. Oh um, I'm going to leave the floor to you after mentioning that all three, the NBA, NHL, and MLB, had, they suspended games for yesterday and today. The Marlins and Mets actually had a matchup that lasted 42 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, and after 42 seconds, the only thing remaining on that field was a Black Lives Matter t-shirt. Now, T, with everything going on in the world, a lot of violence, we're dealing with social injustice. How, how, how do leagues go about this in the future? And what is your input on the state uh, of this country right now? Okay, so as you stated before, um, all the leagues have canceled their games, so there's no sports today. And... Um, the NBA has announced that they will start back the playoffs tomorrow. And look, the last time we talked about this, um, we talked about this privately, but the last time that we talked about this subject, we made an episode titled Black Lives Matter. And um, from certain groups, we um, were called entitled. We were called selfish. Um and in some aspects, we were even threatened. So if y'all think that was going to change our views, think again. Look, here's the thing that people need to understand. I'm not and I'm not I'm, I'm not going to try to be long with long winded tonight with this because I said my piece in that last episode and I'm just going to reiterate some things. Um, if you don't see the injustice that's going on in today's society, you have blinders on and you have them on, on purpose. Okay. Because I look at this scenario that just happened with Jacob Blake. Now, now, now before we even get started, um, let me put this in perspective right now. I don't give a damn what his record was. Supposedly he had warrants out. I don't care. He's still a human being. And you cannot justify to me shooting somebody in the back seven times, regardless of what they did. Because, look, there was a man in the South that shot up a black church. And not only was he arrested, he was taken to a fast food restaurant because he was hungry. Are you bleeping kidding me? And you tell me that there's no kind of injustice anywhere? In this country, you have some serious blinders on. And I'm glad, I am so glad that the leagues are taking this stance and they are putting it in people's faces because, look, people look at sports as a way to unwind, as a way to relax, as as a way to get away from their everyday lives. And I understand that. However, what you cannot do is ignore what is going on around you. That is like saying, that is like having a baby that is screaming. When that baby is screaming, that baby is telling you that something is wrong, but you're ignoring it. And that's exactly what's going on in this country. You're ignoring the fact that black people are being racially profiled, that these things are happening to the black community. And I'm so glad that the NBA on every single one of their courts has a Black Lives Matter sign. I am so glad that players are protesting, that coaches are coming out and saying these things. I am so glad that these things are happening because these things need to be said. These things need to be brought to the forefront. And listen, let me tell you something. So all the people out there that has a problem with this that are saying, oh, you know, the NBA ratings are down. First off, to the people that say that the NBA ratings are down, it's an election year. OK, all ratings throughout throughout TV right now are down because everybody's on CNN, on MSNBC, on Fox News. OK, ratings go down around election year. Look up the facts. OK, let's let's get that out the way right now. That's first and foremost. Secondly, if you don't like the fact that. They are that these players are um, protesting and showing up for their beliefs and are raising and are raising up for their beliefs. Then guess what? Change the stinking channel. You don't have to watch it. 
you can easily watch something else. Look, and you cannot tell these players that they don't have a voice when these things are going on in our society. So I hear, I, I read people's comments on these videos, you know, when they announce, you know, that, you know, this player protested or when the NBA said that they're shut down for a couple of days and the players didn't play, you know, the NHL shut down and MLB shut down their games and whatnot. I was reading people's comments and people were like, you know what, you know, this is a distraction and, you know, they ought to still be playing. And, you know, I don't watch sports for these reasons. Guess what? Let me tell you something. And this especially pertains to the NBA and basically the NFL somewhat. In the NBA and in the NFL, the majority of the players in those leagues are African-American. So what you're saying is you don't want your entertainers to protest something that's going on because you want them to entertain you. They don't have a right. They don't have to entertain you when they're telling you that something is going on in their communities. You have a problem with them telling you in front of your faces that there is a problem and you want to look to them for entertainment. Why should they entertain you? Why? And then I hear people say, oh, you know, I can do the sport that they play. They play a child sport. Do you know the amount of dedication that goes into playing these sports? Do you know the amount of hours they stay up perfecting their craft, looking at film, playbooks, things of that nature? Chris, I think you can also attest to this as well because you played hockey as well. Dedication is at the utmost when it comes to these players. Okay? I played football in high school, and let me tell you, it was tiresome. Okay, I can only imagine what these collegiate and professional players are doing. And you got the nerve to say that you can do what they do? Are you bleeping kidding me? Are you that stinking blind? Listen, if y'all refuse to see what's going on and y'all refuse to accept what's going on in this world, that's on you. However, do not tell me, do not sit here and tell me that there isn't an issue going on when it clearly is right in front of your face and people are telling you that's an, that it's an issue. Stop looking at these athletes to just entertain you. They're not just entertainers. They're people too. And they have feelings as well. No, they will not just shut up and dribble. No, they will not just shut up and catch the football. They have rights just like everybody else. And I said my piece about it. Well said. And I don't think anything else needs to be said after that. T let's wrap up the show. Man, I'm, I had to get that off my chest, y'all. Y'all missed any of this episode, you can always go to philly-experience.simplecast.com. Available on all major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, the entire Shabazz. Yes, we will continue to back these players. And guess what? Y'all got a problem with us? Hit us up in the comment section. On it, We got an Instagram and we got a Facebook. We'd be happy to debate you. Yes, guys, follow our Instagram, the Philly Experience Podcast. It, it's growing. We post breaking news on our stories. We post the fastest score updates and results. So so get on that. It's 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 moving up there. All right. And also, guys, go out and vote and love one another. Yes. I'm sick and tired of this division in this country. Let's come together again like we were before. Stay thirsty, my friends. I'm not putting up with it. It's too much horse It's too much. <laughs> What's the problem now? But they are who we thought they were. <laughs> <laughs>